From the Church Pension Group, this is Choose Well. Hi, my name is Krishna Dalakia, and this is Choose Well, the podcast that focuses on well-being, from maintaining physical and psychological health to being financially secure. On today's episode, we'll continue our conversation about our relationship with food and self-care. More specifically, we'll explore how food is related to health and how to navigate ourselves in a society that is rich in diet culture. Food is a big part of our lives. Many of the decisions we make every day revolve around what, where, and with whom we will eat. Food nourishes and sustains us. It's also associated with how we look and move our bodies. Because it is key to our existence and affects so many areas in our lives, our relationship with food can be complicated and deeply tied to emotional health, resilience, and even trauma. Yet learning about food and nutrition often isn't easy. Information can be confusing and seems to frequently change. The way media and diet culture define what is healthy can sometimes be associated with following restrictive ways of eating and enjoying foods we love that may be considered unhealthy is often enmeshed with guilt. Can you relate to this? If you've been listening to this podcast, you may know by now that I'm really passionate about the field of health, well-being, and human behavior. I'm a registered dietitian and have my master's in clinical nutrition. I'm also a certified diabetes and education care specialist, health education specialist at the Church Pension Group, and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher. When people hear I'm a registered dietitian, they often ask me what kind of diet I follow. They expect to hear me say that I follow a restrictive way of eating, but the truth is I love and enjoy food. I follow the 80-20 rule. I enjoy healthy foods 80% of the time and the other 20% I allow myself to enjoy foods that may be considered unhealthy. Ultimately, I try to take the guilt out of the eating experience, regardless of what I am eating. So you may be asking, but shouldn't we try to eliminate those foods that are generally considered unhealthy? My answer would be that it depends on your unique circumstance. What we eat can affect our physical and mental health. We have learned that certain anti-inflammatory foods like your plant-based foods, high-fiber foods, and healthy fats like omega-3s may have a positive effect on brain health, reduce your risk for disease, and improve weight management. And certain foods may contribute to more inflammation in the body. To learn more about these foods and specifics about health and nutrition, visit our nutrition course on the e-learning site of cpg.org. Our food choices do play a role in helping us manage and prevent certain conditions and diseases. My guest today is my friend Stacy Leong, who is a registered dietitian based in Amsterdam. Along with being a registered dietitian, Stacy is also a yoga teacher and a certified aromatherapist. She helps her clients develop a healthy relationship with food, body image, and physical activity by utilizing the whole body approach and principles of health at every size. She specializes in plant-based nutrition and mindful eating. Stacy, I'm so happy to have you. 
on the podcast today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. If you are listening into this um, episode, you might be getting ready to hear some maybe uh, common things that you've heard related to nutrition and diets and food and restrictive eating. Um, but I, I want to assure you that Stacy and I both both practice and look at nutrition and food from a different perspective that's, uh, that's more related to making peace with food, not, um, not the messages that we often hear in diet culture. And, um, you know, that brings me to this topic of diets, right? Like when we think about diets, uh, we think about it being very restrictive, maybe associated with like calorie deficits and losing weight, right? Um, but the original word diet comes from the Greek word diaita, which means way of life. And it seems that in our world today, we've kind of really um, veered away from this definition into something that is more short term, right? Diets tend to be more short term instead of a, a long life kind of adaptation of of nutrition integrated with the rest of your life. And I'm wondering, you know, what are some of your thoughts about that? And what are some things that you hear from the clients that come and see you when they're asking to be put on a diet? Ooh, yeah, I completely agree that the word diet has, you know, been far removed from the orig- its origin um, definition. And so many people are confused, like us being called dietitians itself, it's like, if someone mm-hmm. wanted to develop a healthier relationship with food, um, I remember someone asking me, like, or saying to me just out of the blue, I wouldn't go to a dietitian because I don't want to be on a diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that too. Yeah, right? They're like, I'd go to a nutritionist. Um, and, it, and it is so true, right? Because when we think of diet, diet, the word has been ingrained in our brains as like a short-term um, thing that we do to improve our lives. Um, Diet is not a way of life or a lifestyle. Um, And I think it really confuses people and it confuses my clients uh, as well. And really first and foremost, when they come in, I, we, if this conversation comes up, we have, like, I have to clear the air with them so that the word diet is not a bad word right or a good word it's a very neutral word and learning how to use it in conversation um, is important and you know so, so that's one thing that comes up often is well how do I approach diet or what does my diet mean or what is right for me it's just learning how to use the term first I think I specifically focus on plant-based health and plant-based diets. And when I say diets, I am using the the Greek definition of way of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they come to me and, and they're asking me about like, what can I eat? What can I eat? Or how do I, how do I manage these um, food limitations with my principles of how I um, of animal rights and or how I want to approach sustainability and we really navigate that and, and talk about you know okay well here are your options um, depending if you want to eat 
you know, just less meat or you want to go completely vegan, um, here are your options and what matters to you the most um, and how can we sort of find the middle ground so that you're happy and you're not driving yourself crazy with, uh, with all these like rules and what you read and um, trying to do better for the world as well as take care of yourself. Yeah, and it sounds to me like one of the things that you're really trying to encourage your clients to do is um, is move and work from a place of autonomy where they are, are really understanding why they're doing what they're doing um, and and how that kind of sinks into their values. And so, so food is not separate from our values and the rest of our life. It's an integration. And I think that oftentimes when we, when we think of diet culture, right, there's so much of demonizing foods and, and um, uplifting other foods to, to get to a point where thinness is valued, right? Thinness is a status of success. And um, I think that it can be very disruptive and lead to disordered eating, and so I really like that, you know, it sounds like you are really focusing on how, how is food related to the values of the way that you want to li- live your life and how can we help, help you integrate that? It's an, an integration. You brought up a really good point about when, when your clients hear the word dietitian, they think of diets. And I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about about what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? Yeah. Well, I think it's a little different depending on where you live, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just speaking about the U.S., um, a dietitian has gone through at least an undergrad education, has a bachelor's. Um, now, in order to become a dietitian, you also need a master's degree in nutrition as well. But on top of having a degree in nutrition and dietetics, uh, you need to apply to an internship called a dietetic internship. I, I like to compare the dietetic internship to for future dietitians to those who want to become doctors. Um, doctors, future doctors have to go to medical school first and then apply for uh, residency. residency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can consider the dietetic internship as a nutrition residency, so to say. Um, and then once we complete this internship or residency, whatever you want to call it, we have to sit for our exam, which is similar to doctors sitting for their boards. Um, in order to become a registered dietitian. And once you become a registered dietitian, you can work pretty much anywhere. You can work in hospitals, you can work in um, community nutrition, uh, in schools, um, wherever they need a nutrition professional. A nutritionist on the other hand, may or may not have equal education. So they might have a degree in nutrition, um, but have not completed an internship, a dietetic internship. Or um, a nutritionist can be someone who has gone through a a life transformation with 
with um, their diet um, and their behavior and want to Im like impart their wisdom on someone else and so they'll call themselves a nutritionist or they or someone can call themselves a nutritionist by going through a certification program so there's lots of avenues and and so when someone is called a nutritionist it could be really um, great and they can have great experience and um, a really wealth of knowledge um, and someone great to work with or it can be murky waters. And I also think that it's important to mention that um, that dietitians can get reimbursed from insurance for yes. counseling if they're you know working with insurance. So um, so it is very much integrated into the to, into the medical system. Similarly to how doctors can specialize in cardiology mm -hmm. or neurology, um, we dietitians can also specialize in certain things as well. So there are, you know, dietitians who specialize in chronic kidney disease or diabetes. And Krishna, I know you are a certified diabetes educator. Mm -hmm. um, and so with different interests, you have a different type of dietitian that can help, a, you know, someone if, who's looking for something really specific get more specialized help. Yeah, I guess this is a very long-winded way to say that <laughs> dietitians have a lot of training. It's a mixture of science and biology and clinical work alongside counseling and understanding how food system work, food systems work in different settings, like you mentioned in food schools, school food service, and maybe outpatient settings. And so I think that the reason I, I want to talk about this is because it's a question that I get a, uh, asked a lot, like what is the difference between a dietitian and a health coach, a dietitian and a nutritionist? And ultimately, you know, it, it really depends upon the individual, who they feel comfortable working with and who kind of they feel like motivates them to make behavior change. But it is also important to know that certain professionals will have will have more training and educational experience and will have been vetted through certain programs. I want to continue this conversation about diet culture and how it has shifted our relationship with food, health, and body image. I want to talk a little bit more about that and, and what you've experienced with your clients in terms of how what they've experienced following a restrictive diet or indulging in diet culture speech compared to the kind of holistic, integrative work that you do where it's a more of a way of life approach. I want to start off saying that like this process of, you know, being someone who has a lot of um, feelings towards foods, uh, restriction or bad foods, good foods, these food rules, I guess we could, we, we yeah. can call it, mm -hmm. um, to being in unrestricted eater and having a healthy relationship with food and their and, and body it takes a long time mm -hmm. um, and not just like a month or a week it, it takes years and and through certain milestones for example pregnancy becoming a mother um, health uh, developing certain health conditions right like 
food, relationship to food and body image will be tested, right? So it's an ongoing, um, I guess you can say, unraveling, right? Because yep. every day we are um, being exposed to diet culture. And sometimes when we're in vulnerable situations uh, where our lives are disrupted because of something, we can fall back, right? So it's about learning tools that um, having tools to help you along the way to keep your relationship with food healthy. When someone comes in, um, and because if a client comes in to me and they are vegetarian or vegan, um, sometimes you know through our work, they through our work together, they may realize like, you know, actually I do really enjoy eating meat, um, and it's not a bad thing, right? Um, it's it's important to be honest with yourself and f how and, and then we discuss like how are like what are the principles what are your values behind eating meat like why didn't you want to eat meat in the first place is it because you're scared of gaining weight or are you more concerned with animal welfare right so it's about really navigating what direction um, you want to go where where this someone wants to go. Yeah, and I think that like what I hear you saying also is that there's fear. Mm -hmm. And I think as as dietitians or people working in the health field or you know working very closely with people one on one, um fear is something that comes up so much especially around food. And I think that's um that's so very closely tied to the messages we we receive from diet culture. Christy Harrison, who is a dietitian that um, runs a podcast called Food Psych, she talks oh, about this a podcast. lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> she talks about this a lot in terms of diet culture. And I'm going to quote her based on her website. She says, "Diet culture oppresses people who don't match up with its supposed picture of health, which disproportionately harms women, trans folks." people in larger bodies, people of color, and people with disabilities, damaging both their mental and physical health. And so she says it so well, like this supposed picture of health, right? And oftentimes that supposed picture of health is the thin white woman or the really fit white man. And, um, and there's nothing, nothing against that, but that is definitely the standard of health and beauty in our society. And I think it's slowly changing. But that fear oftentimes is, is directed towards if I, for example, have a cookie, I'm, not gonna, I'm, I'm moving further away from my goal of being in that thinness and arena, accepted. right? Yeah, yeah accepted. being accepted, exactly. And so... Um, the, this work of like moving away from diet culture and really kind of um, sitting with, you know, what is it that you truly want? What is it that authentically feels good to you in terms of a realistic, healthy weight? What would that look like for my body? This brings me to my next question. And you talk about this a lot when you work with your clients is health at every size. I think that you have heard you say that weight loss is not always the answer, right? So I was wondering if you could maybe talk a little bit about your experience working with people and talking about health at every size. Yeah. Yeah. So health at every size or haze was founded by Lindo Bacon. And it's a set of principles that focuses on supporting people 
everyone and anyone um, to find self-compassion and taking care of their bodies, um, which includes eating and physical activity. Um, Health at Every Size also advocates for um, all bodies, regardless of race, size, gender, sexual orientation, disability, very similar to what Christy Harrison is talking about on, in her quote on her website um, that you mentioned. And so Health at Every Size in relation to my work as a dietitian with my clients is to move away from the number on the scale and focus on behavior change. So health at every size is does not focus on the number on the scale, but really focuses on finding first, like as we've been speaking about our behaviors, like what we like, what we don't like, um, you know, being honest with ourselves and using self-compassion and self-discovery um, to really find, to create this foundation first. And then if our weight does fluctuate, whether it goes up or whether it goes down or whether it stays the same, like that's that, right? And accepting our bodies for, for where we are. Health at every size, meaning it's healthy in a way that you can be, that you're honoring yourself. This is something I talk to my clients a lot about or when I'm, I'm doing my intuitive eating series. Um, is this basis that is the premise of mindful eating or mindfulness, is this act that I'm engaging in right now or the sensation that I'm feeling pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? And oftentimes I think that when it comes to food, we, when it's pleasant, it's often associated with feelings of guilt, right? Like I had this dessert and it's really enjoyable, but oftentimes the after effect of that is feeling guilty about that action. When instead, how can you integrate that pleasant experience in a way that is a, is a part of your life? Something that I keep uh, thinking when, um, Krishna, that you, you, when, as you were speaking about um, your process of like education and non-negotiables and, and then behavior changes that like with nutrition, with eating, there's so much gray area. Yep. And we cannot be black and white about food at all as much as we'd want to, we want to be because it's easier to digest. There's so much gray area and uh, it, what works for someone may not work for someone else. Yeah, there's no one size fits all. Yeah, which goes back to the term health at every size. Yeah, and one thing you said that really stuck with me is that it seems like this is such an intuitive process, and I think that's what babies will teach us, right? That when they're full, they'll stop. When they're hungry, when they're hungry, they'll cry. I think that as we get older and we we encounter so many different messages from our family and our society. We get lost with that. Like, and even with just knowing when we're full can be hard to recognize. Knowing when we're hungry, we ignore sometimes. Sometimes I think what we struggle with as adults is learning how to regulate ourselves with our emotions, with the food that we're eating and knowing, you know, and, and like you said earlier, this is a long-term journey for the rest of our life where we're understanding our relationship with food 
and what are some things that we learned and how can we unlearn them, especially related to some of these food rules that we hear as children, like finish your everything on your plate, clean your plate club, you know, and all of these other messages for the listeners listening into this, you might, an exercise that you might want to do is to stop and journal, like, what are the food messages that I've received since a child? Or even, like, what are the messages I tell myself every day of what Mm -hmm. I can and cannot have, not emotionally driven, but just, you know, if I walked into the grocery store and I saw, you know, a bag of chips that I was like, oh, I want that but I can't have it. Like, why can't you have it? Like, it, it, it happens on such a, I think it happens so quickly that we, it goes unnoticed is what I mean. Mm. And, and it does affect us. Yeah, it adds up. <laughs> what resources are reputable in terms of, of learning more about nutrition? Before I give website or um uh, uh, suggestions. I do want to say that you know, physiolo- uh, physiologically, biologically, in terms of what are carbohydrates, what is a protein, what is a fat, like that information will never change. Mm. Um, and there are no hacks to to that because or or cutting out because we. There is like a fundamental essence of science, right, uh, of nutrition. And that information will never change, and we need that in order to survive. Mm. Um, so when you do read articles or news articles that say, like, you don't need X or you don't need carbohydrates or you have to try a low-protein diet, always treat things with a grain of salt and always go back to what is it that you know, what is the education, um, and, and navigate from there, right? Um, and when it comes to resources, websites that end in .org or .gov um, can be really helpful places to start, like um, the Choose My Plate um, mm-hmm. or even health. I think there's some uh, website called like Healthy Kids, dot uh, org that or kids health um, I'm forgetting the the actual website now but it's specifically meant uh, to gear towards children but I actually think that the information there is helpful for everyone <laughs> yeah um, so I would leave I, any dot gov or dot org website yeah. is always a good place to start as well as um, you know maybe speaking to a dietitian um, and and other health professionals that have experience with with food and eating that's it for today thank you for listening theme music for our podcast is by fran mckendry be sure to visit the e-learning library and learning center on cpg.org for wellness resources and please join us again for choose well this material is not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment CPG does not provide any healthcare services and therefore cannot guarantee any results or outcomes. Always seek the advice of a healthcare professional with any questions about your personal healthcare, including diet and exercise.
The views and opinions expressed by guests of Choose Well are their own and do not represent the views and opinions of the Church Pension Fund or its affiliates, collectively the Church Pension Group. Neither the Church Pension Fund nor any of its affiliates, collectively CPG, is responsible for the content, performance, or security of any website referenced herein that is outside the www.cpg.org domain or that is not otherwise associated with a CPG entity. You've been listening to Choose Well from the Church Pension Group.